Well, good morning from the pastures. As you can see, this episode is what we call the black edition. The black and tan, Roger has tan shorts. I have a tan pant leg there. These are chinos, Rog. Chinos. Well, since we're both now in our 60s, we're just, there's a unique brotherhood that's, that's so special. I feel like hugging you. All all the brothers are in the sixties. We are. I mean, it's like there isn't there is another brother. If for those who don't know, between us, what's his name again? It's oh, Derek. Derek. Darren. No, 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 no. It's a Bible name. David. 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 The Bible that the Bible name got me. <laughs> I was thinking Jacob, the shepherd boy. Yep, the ruddy one. <laughs> Wasn't that the way the King James described David? He was ruddy. He was. I'm like that. He was red faced. He was embarrassed a lot. I don't know what that ruddy. Means. Yes, there's one of the, just a classic term. Well, I ruddy. mean, was he a redhead? You know, with the little freckles and all that. Very ruddy. You In know. my mind, I've got an idea for ruddy. But yes, what ruddy actually means is a really is that short. Shortish. Uh, I think of Esau, a ruddy man, hairy, hairy, red and hairy, like an like a North Irishman. Very ruddy. Right, very ruddy as it was. I don't even know if that's uh, politically correct. I, did I just stereotype Northern Irishman? I'm not even sure who should be more offended. We're my. YouTube has forever decided that we're, they're going to switch us up on screen. And it's really throwing me because I'm used to me being where Roger is. And when I see me where Roger is and I think it's me, I'm like, oh, what happened? We're sitting in different places. I'm like, what? How did I get there? What do I need to do to turn back the clock? Yeah. So I turned 60. Turned 60. So it's actually happened now. It's real. And has anyone asked you that question? Does it feel any different to be 60? Yeah, several people did. <laughs> I had one client that gave me an entire box of ibuprofen. I don't mean a bottle. I mean a box, like the big one. Great. Like if Listen, someone asked you bring for, it in here. for that bring box of here. ibuprofen, you wouldn't wonder what they were talking about. It's a box. It's a big old box. So I thought, ibuprofen. That's good. <laughs> I thought that was cute. And I'm going to use every bit of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to use it. Yeah, some people have asked about that. But, you know, it's like I said in my blog post, I don't feel substantially different than I did at 40. A, a few more aches and pains, you know, right. but not even when I thought about energy level, because I do, you know, whine a lot about my energy level is less. But after I had that talk with you, I was like, it's really not that much less. It's. Were you telling me? Because I, I was saying I don't have the emotional energy that I used to have, yes. you know, like in my 30s, <clears throat> which was which is true. In my 30s, I could focus at a crazy level, I've certainly gotten more ADD as I've aged. But when I need to focus, I can still. <laughs> I can turn it on. I can turn it on. <laughs> like if I've got a blog post that has due today, or I've got a <laughs> magazine article that's due today, or if I've got a book that's due today, I can turn it on. It's crazy. Were you telling me, I'm, I'm trying to remember though, was there a decade birthday decade transition that emotionally affected you was there 40. so here not thinking turning so, 40 so Absolutely. 40 was okay turning 50 i was again i was kind of ambivalent about that turning 40 seemed like it was like the beginning of middle age it was weird so i remember i really got into working out in that season 
And I ended up being in the best, actually the best shape of my life at 45. At 45, okay. I was doing triathlons. I was doing CrossFit kind of stuff. But just crazy. Almost this. I might be 40, but I'm not, I'm not going to act it or, or I'm not going to look it, look it. Okay. I'm not going to look it yep. now. When I look at 60, I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel like I look 60, which is great because, and I realize some of the ways that we even decide what 60 looks like is we see 60 year olds. And again, they might be 68, but okay. in our mind, they're yes. still 60 year olds. Yeah, right. And I've seen some 60 year olds that weren't as healthy as perhaps they could have been. <laughs> That was. Did you like the way I said that? that word is, I've seen sixty-year-olds that have a foot in the grave. <laughs> now I'm embarrassed. I see my face is flushing there. I'm not calling anyone out by name. I'm just saying. You know who you are. But you old-looking sixty-year-olds. I have seen some people in their mid-fifties that look ten to fifteen years older than me. Which is why I never get into that. Guess my age thing. Right, because you can't. <laughs> no, it's, that that is that's courting disaster, as they say. I'm not gonna. Well, yeah, yeah, particularly if a woman says it. Now, actually, I will do it if a woman says it. I go 20 years below what I think it actually is. I realize I just gave away a trade secret there. So if I say you look, oh, 38. That means I think you look 58, all right? <laughs> the problem is, if you're 48, <laughs> you're offended now. <laughs> yeah, even to me, there's some risk involved. There, it still is. <laughs> so, uh, my, yeah, the most riskiest question I ever asked, this is back in my Rocket City pastoring days, I asked a lady at our church, I'm like, so when are you expecting? <laughs> she said, expecting what? <laughs> to lose that weight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, the Lord's coming. <laughs> the return of Jesus. When are you expecting? Oh, you don't have a date in mind? Okay. Neither do I. I was just checking to make sure you won't wear one of those we date setters. <laughs> Can't have that going on at our church. And no, I literally thought she was pregnant and she was not. And we did not expect her to return to church ever again. Nope. But she did. But she did. But I'm like, I don't know how. There's I always recovered. something between us. It's funny. That is the way that I learned. It is. Some people learn through instruction. I learned through error. Disaster. <laughs> well, it's like, so I was telling Roger before we came on, I installed, I successfully installed a mini split at our house. In fact, the, Successfully. Yeah, the AC guy that came to check it to see why it wasn't pushing out cold air said, the installation is beautiful. You did a great job. All the wiring, all the hoses, all of that. However, you did burn out the compressor. <laughs> Because of one little, one little step you missed there, Bruce. <laughs> and he said, and if you try to buy the compressor, he said, it'll just cost you more for me to actually take this thing apart and put the compressor <laughs> yeah. in. You're better just to buy the thing. And I'm like, I want to buy the thing. <laughs> but I learned what not to do when installing a mini split. And it is, it really does look nice. Now I'd have to rip it all out and put another one in. And you're going to learn even a, more. A little way I like to call the correct way. Actually, the insta installation was correct. I just forgot to open the valves for the high pressure and the low pressure. And what happens is, and you just vacuumed out the whole system. That means there's nothing in there at all, uh, except for the oil that's burning up in your compressor that kind of blows up at a certain point. 
So, but that's how I learn. Other people do really do learn. Like I think David learned from more through books. instruction. They read. <laughs> Mom and dad tell them not to do something. They're like, check, got it. Not going to do that. I'm like, well, why would they tell me not to do it? Must be fun. Let's give it a whirl. Whoa, don't do that. Oh, that's why they said don't do it. That's why we don't do that. That's why. <laughs> yeah, so it's not. It's not bad. I, I yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of. I realize there's all sorts. Of, I don't mean to be binary this morning, but there's all sorts of things where I, I was realizing the other day you can put people in these two camps. You know, one of them was like I'm a, a lover or a fighter. I'm much more a lover than a fighter. In other <laughs> okay. words, if I can charm my way out of a thing, I'm going to do it. I avoid conflict. I don't like. Oh, that's I mean, interesting. That's an interesting. Like, but okay. a lot of people, they're like, oh no, let's we let's hash it out. I mean, and I'll even see this in the room sometimes. They're like, we need to get to the bottom of this thing, and I'm like, no. Let me get the bottom of it. It's fine. I'm fine on top. This is it's lovely up here. So you got a lover fight. You have what I call you're either a driver or you're a motor vehicle operator. Big difference between the two. Oh gosh. Okay. Both are driving cars. Okay. But some are simply operating a motor vehicle. And you don't want to be driving behind one of those if you're a driver. You do, if you're a driver, you do not, not want, want to be behind, behind a motor operator. vehicle operator. And that was. But another one. I was behind one this morning. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was behind a lot of them this morning, which is why I was a little late. But then I realized there's people that learn through instruction Mm -hmm. or observation of others. Yep, yep. Example. Example. Watch. Yep. And then others who only learn from experience. It's like it's it. it, I don't get the neural (laughs) pathway until I do it wrong. And isn't it interesting? The talks that I get asked to do most often are on failure. (laughs) Why? Because I've been so successful. At, at failing. failing. Think about that. No, you're really good at it. As as Clouseau said, this is why I've often failed where others have succeeded. And the truth is, <laughs> people, we really enjoy learning from other people's failures that we didn't have to experience. Yeah, Roger, I got the, so I got the feedback. They sent me like the feedback from this conference I did in Pennsylvania. It's hilarious because it was a women's conference. Okay. And, and which one is person, that is actually normal, but that's actually fairly normal, but not for this conference. They've never had a guy. They've never had a man, a male speaker at this conference. Oh, okay. So one of the person, one of the persons said, Well, I wasn't sure about a guy, but man, he actually did really good. <laughs> like, All right. And I got word this week that and they don't do this either, but they want me back. What? Yeah, they had such a great experience. So I'm like, isn't that beautiful? That it's, is awesome. It's just fun. We want that that old sixty year old man. We want the old man to come back because he was really funny. But what people referenced more than anything was the transparency. Yes. When he talked about his own failures, even in the scars of suffering, because I did the upside of failure and scars, which are the two talks I do most these days. <coughs> Although I picked up another undivided talk yesterday. But there is you you only learn things by scars. I learned what not to do with a hammer because of this scar on my thumb that which is never look at your thumb when you're using a hammer. Because I remember yeah. looking at my thumb to make sure I wasn't going to hit it. But what you look at is typically where your hand wants to strike. It's a bizarre thing. So there's there's a, those two camps. And I realize there's a midpoint, too, for people. Some people who learn I mean, like both ways. Well, it's not always just binary. And I wouldn't say because you've talked kind of where you learned from watching something I did with mom and dad. And you said, that's true. 
I'm not going to. So there's some mix of that. Yeah, that is observation. That wasn't instruction. In other words, right. it, but it was experience. Take a note. Okay, maybe that's the key. It was experiential, though. Yes. I experienced, I'm like, yeah, Roger just did that. That went, Or you were experiencing. That went poorly. The anger in the room yeah. with dad at, at and Raj. I'm, and I'm thinking, hey, Roger, read the room, dude. I don't know what you're not seeing right now, but this is not going as well as I think you think it's going. I don't know what you thought was coming out of this. But... And Bruce is over there taking notes. Will not do that. It's not. No, it's true. And I. And then so when I was 16, I was able to take girls to Six Flags in Mom and Dad's station wagon. And, and they never knew. And, and no, no, they actually gave me permission. And David's like, "What? how did you? Why? I, they would never let me take this day. And mom just said, well, David, you never asked. And David's thought was, well, you never let Roger. Well, that's because Roger had his own 1960 well, his own that didn't have floorboards. Think Flintstones. Bruce just liked using everybody else's vehicle. Roger's vehicle when he wasn't around or his motorcycle when he wasn't around. And I wore your motorcycle out. Mom and dad's car when they weren't around. <laughs> Shout out to Doug Bennett. It was actually Doug Bennett's motorcycle. Then became Roger's motorcycle. <laughs> Did I buy it from Doug? Uh-huh. And then it became my motorcycle. I, I mean, I remember. never actually officially owned it, but I drove it more than Roger did. <laughs> so that dent and that scrap and that I wore out bent. your white Dodge Polara. <laughs> Your red Toyota Corona. That's where I got my first speeding ticket in your red Corona. Really? Uh -huh. Coming back from, I was fishing out on the lake with Daniel Sheets. Wait, I got a fine for that. I, no. Did you no. Did you not show up for court? That's a problem. Because I told him I was you. This explains so much. I said, where's your driver's license? I don't have that either. But my name is Roger Martin. Here's the registration. 1060 Shallowford Road. <laughs> Yep, that's me. Can you imagine? I could have had so much fun with that. Rogers, yeah, mom and dad, Rogers in prison. So sorry. You're gonna need to bail him out. He should have he should not have been driving. He says he doesn't remember speeding, but you know, Roger, his memory's not great. By the way, when you move up like that, it doesn't know what to do and it blurs me out. And we don't want that. See? I, that's that that iPhone thing. You you can intentionally blur other people. Oh my goodness. Woo! Hey, what did you talk about on your face cast? Because I deliberately did not listen. I'm like, I want to hear it from the lips of the rock. <laughs> Wait, so that's what we're doing now? It's No, I was just curious. I don't the morning. know. <clears throat> what was this morning? Oh. Well, I my head my uh headline was um And I didn't even see your headline. So I don't even know. I know nothing. How loving God and loving others is the best way to love yourself. I've been thinking about, now this is a pervasive human, in fact, it sort of traces back to the garden, the beginning of- Why did I do it like that? The garden. <laughs> this dramatic, looking out for yourself, thoughts. but again, ultimately part of the lie, yeah. which persists to this day is you can only trust yourself. You only need yourself um, and serve yourself. I'm just thinking about those, that dynamic, and I'm seeing it in fresh ways in our culture. We, we're the language around what serves me, but the idea, uh, yeah, the idea of what serves me is, is, and again, this one, um, nobody mm -hmm. knows most what you need better than you. Well, 
that is of course absurd <laughs> um but it it feels very but the so the feels idea is very empowering feels very empowering and that so that feels good um and again the strains of this all down through history so this is not oh this some new cultural phenomena um i don't need anybody else um <clears throat> again the songwriters have had those kind of themes um but i'm watching it you I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone, right. Billy Joel. Billy Joel, which sounds like Isaiah. We've all like sheep gone astray. Yep. We've turned everyone to their own way. You do your thing. I'll do mine. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Um, I, that's all I need. I don't need. It's so funny. That song has always felt foreboding to me. It's haunting. Like, just haunting. Like, I'm yes. like, no, I do not want to do it my way. What's it, what, what the tension is, there's a, there's a, there's a component of truth in that. In that, within the within the construct of design, yep, I understand that I am a created being. Therefore, God knows me better than I know myself. But within that creation, Bruce Roger, there is design. So I am trying to find my lane, yes, my space within that design. It's even why in my blog post, in case you were busting me for that, I was like, "You be you." Oh no, I'm not it, busting you. No, no, but the idea was, don't let other people <sighs> dictate what you're supposed to be. You work with God. And you be the best version of who he's created you to be. Right. So there's that tension of, and, and to me, that is empowering. Within the construct of, of, of God's grace and God's design <clears throat> for my life, what am I best designed to do and be and be a and, part of? And this is why everything in life seems to come. There's a tension. Yes. You're living in the tension. Because here, and part of the tension even thinking about here is loving yourself is not a a bad thing no. you look at jesus says greatest what's the greatest command okay what's the most important thing to remember well he says part a and part b love god with everything you have and love your neighbor read others because he clarified neighbor could be yeah. enemy whatever love in love people like you love yourself so there's three kinds of loves it's almost as if there's a kind of order there which is very troubling but the reality is the Bible doesn't discourage self-love, doesn't discourage Jesus, others, and you. But that's almost the way that they right. love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you love yourself. But what struck me is this idea. You could have gone Yoda and said, as yourself, love your neighbor. <laughs> we've, just like every other culture in some version, we've flipped that around. Love yourself with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Oh, love other people. If religion works for you, love God. That can that can kind of fit. Maybe it's the the reverse sort that of where that, and it's the idea. But the lie is that love yourself with all your soul, mind, and strength. That's what's going to best serve you. But what I was wrestling with is when we take that track, and this is where this is the dimension of what I see in our culture as it's been in other cultures. Yeah. But I'm just saying the fresh is. Um. I don't need people. So people are isolating more. You it, People have talked about that. The, the, even the culture, people looking at the culture, we're becoming more isolated than ever. There's always been this American rugged individualism. Right. But I wonder if we're not reaping some of the new fruit or the ultimate fruit of that, where we're coming to believe I literally don't need other people. And it struck me. It struck me that wealth feeds that the more you well, have sure. yeah the more you can isolate the less dependent you are on anyone else for anything 
when I when I visited Ethiopia, hmm. I was struck about how so many lived in deep community because you had to. Like you're right. you're sharing tools, you're sharing a, 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 a house, you're sharing a courtyard, you're um, heating instruments, uh, maybe shared pasture space or gardens, but your livelihood depended on that. Wealth can feed the illusion. I actually don't need other people. And financially, that may be true. But we start to believe that's true in other... Uh, but but here's the thing. If I understand <laughs> the gospel and the way of Christ, if financially you don't need other people, think about this. It means by definition, other people do need you. Need you, yeah. And, and here's where... And that was that was the beauty of what happened in Acts. They just yes. immediately understood. Well, gosh, if I've got wealth, it wasn't right. so I don't need you. It's because now I understand. Hey, you need me in a certain way that I can be there for you. See, now you're asking the love your neighbor question. Uh -huh. The love yourself question is simply: Does it serve me? Do uh -huh. I do I need it? But when you start asking the question, that's a way of does Jesus' my question. Neighbor need it? Yeah. What does my neighbor need? Um, and now am I? Am I engaged with them? The flip, but right now where we are is we're moving more and more, more and more isolated. And in, there are fresh new expressions of it. But here's what ends up happening. Now, the digression, shall I say, the downward progression of I don't need people is what we're also saying. I don't trust people. The more you retreat yeah. from people, yeah. the more your interactions with people are just social media. The less I trust. It's in community that where I learn to trust people. I interact and I learn that they can be trusted, whatever. When I'm isolated, I stereotype. I I don't know, and I don't know if I can trust people. The other thing that struck me is again in our current um I create my own truth. We use the language around your truth, but where that is led. Where that has led, and it's, it's it's seeing, okay, down the road, we weren't seeing where it was going to go this direction, is I make the truth that serves me. And the politicians now do this all the time. Yeah. And the yeah. TV networks do it. In other words, I create the networks and the politicians are just doing the mantras we're saying. Well, that's my truth. But once, once you have, mm. there's not any basis for truth. It's just, well, now you lose trust. And trust moves us even more away from each other. Um, but the last point in the in the digression, if you would, that I'm seeing is I don't need others, anybody but me. I don't trust anybody but me. I'm not going to serve anybody but me. There's this point where, where I'm not going to ask what's best for you question. The only question I'm asking is what's best for me. And so anyway. And if you've put yourself in that position, you're probably going to have the wrong answer to even that question. Yes, you are. You know, what's best for me? I mean, if you become that, think about it. If you become that isolated, <clears throat> you don't even know, you don't even know the answer to that question. You're going to have another, you buy another thing. You've got wealth. You can buy another thing. But is that, is that what you need? Do we need people? Do we need God? I say yes. Yes, we do. The, the lie keeps taking its place 
where we're all by ourselves, where we were never intended. And here's the thing. We think the lie says, I'll be okay as if I, I have to take care of myself. The what we are created for, we were made to be cared for by others and care for others. We were, so this is what our life is made for. But the more we move, once you move to, I'm not going to serve anybody myself, the idea of taking a loss for anybody else. Oh, yeah. It goes, uh, yeah. Yeah, we think about even, Jesus would talk about someone steals from you. You know, this is on loving your enemies. Don't repay evil for evil. He would say, if someone steals from you, don't demand it back. Instead, give it to them. Now think about it. That's just like you're saying, so let someone take advantage of me. So Jesus says, yes, with a smile on his face. Yes. And then even later on, I was thinking about this the other day, Paul really references that when he says this word. And I'm like, this is so antithetical to American culture. He says, why not rather be defrauded? People would go, what are you no, talking right. about? Why not rather be defrauded? He's talking about instead of taking a brother to court, why not rather be defrauded? Let, let that person take advantage of you. Let them take your wealth. Let them take your things. It's okay. God's got all that. And here's the thing. I either believe that or I don't. But I, what I realize, and I've said this many times on this podcast, but the way of Christ not just saves us in terms of eternal destiny, it saves us every day emotionally. It's the most emotionally healthy, free, wonderful way to live because I don't have to make sure that I'm getting mine. And right. I don't have to make sure that others are getting theirs. I don't want fair anymore. I just want grace. I want God's mercy. I don't. It's it's lovely. And I'm trusting God for if I am defrauded, he's got more than enough cattle on a thousand hills to take care of whatever that is. I mean, in other words, he can re he can restore that in a moment. But we don't yeah. we don't really believe that. We, we don't even think that God is that. This is some of my other thing I was thinking about the other day. We don't really think that God personally engaged in our life. We still, and I'm talking about myself too here, we yeah. still see God as, for God so loved the world, this big thing, God loves the cosmos, and but we, do, we struggle to understand a personal God. And of course, that was the importance of Jesus coming to earth so that we could understand. But I realize sometimes I'm, sometimes I think, I'm just being honest, I think, God's not really concerned about this part of my life or that part of my life or this component of what I do or don't do, and it doesn't really, that's the lie. It doesn't really matter. But then I was struck with the other day. No, God really does care. He wants to walk with me every day. For reasons unknown to me, he actually likes that. He likes hanging out with me. And yeah. he loves it when I come to him with ideas, thoughts, yeah. questions. Um, it's not annoying to him. It's beautiful. And this is what <sighs> frees us to be defrauded, or to take a loss. I have... I have I've, God. I've God. <laughs> right. I know I have, that sounds so simplistic. I have his heart. I have his. Yes. And actually, anything someone takes from me, God could replace if he wants to, but I have him. If, if he knows that I even need it. And this is where the call. So it's why when Jesus put out there, here's that rally. You're always, you are always going to be best served by serving others. Period. You think it's the other thing, but this is, this is what holds community together. This is what holds love. The actual the the word love actually when it comes down this actual and of course this is a Jesus thing this is yeah. a way Jesus changed the word love to be sacrificial. Historically, there was an idea. Well, of course, you're going to love people who love you. You're going to, but the idea, and here's Jesus mm. dying, making he's sacrificing, he's putting, he's giving up, so others 
can live, can be blessed. He already knows what he has. He already has the father. He already has, he's, so now he's, and, and scripture even references that. Our brother Paul says, for the joy set before him, yes, he endured the cross. I mean, in other words, there was, he had it all. It, God had put everything under his feet. So he takes off his clothes and wraps a towel around his waist and washes. Doesn't blink. Disciples feet and does it. It's, I always love Danny Stanley's talk. He's like, you know, what are you doing? You're the most powerful person in the room. And he tells that story about Jesus. Yes. You serve. <clears throat> when you're the most powerful person in the room in whatever capacity, you serve. And I'm like, yeah, that's what Jesus did. And then the irony, if I'm wrapping up, is the irony with this. Are you is, wrapping up? Well, if I'm wrapping up, no, I, I think you are because the timer says the you are. Timer says, <laughs> Jesus said, if you're going to save your life, you're going to lose it. In other words, Here's the thing. Yep. If you're looking at what best serves you, you're going to lose you. It doesn't best. Your thought about, you know what best serves and, you? And what, and, and yeah, what will profit man if he gain the whole world but lose his, what his, best himself? serves you. And God reminded me this yesterday. You know, I get knocks on the door. Someone comes, there's some need they have. There's yep. a neighbor, there's someone who comes, whatever. And it's never convenient ever because <clears throat> I'm always busy doing something important. Um, but I realized I'm feeling the tension in that moment of serving me or serving somebody else, but I'm not feeling the tension. Ultimately, serving other is serving me. It's it's there's not really a tension. Jesus said, yeah. when you live your life for others out of your love for God, it's the best thing you can do right. for yourself. You're, it's not an either or. Right. It's a both and your best life now. Right. Is serving others right now. And it's serving you well now. And it serves you well in the future. Yes. That was Jesus's whole story about, you know, what we call the unjust steward. He's like, <clears throat> it's not only best for you now, but it's best for you in the future, too. Your best life now is love God with everything. Love others. And you will find that you're loving yourself. And love Roger. That's how Please we're going to.